if I've got, I don't know, maybe five or 10 minutes and I want a quick release, you know the kind, I know the exact toy that'll do the trick. Or I know the exact friction and rhythm to deliver with my hands in order to do it too. But if I want to slow things way down for a totally different experience, when I'm not in a rush, when I can spend some true quality time with myself, there's some very specific accessories that I like to grab. Sometimes I blindfold myself or I dim the lights really low. Sometimes I use a feather up and down my arms while vibey music plays in the background. Sometimes I get as much of my body involved as I possibly can. I run my hands through my hair, down my face, and I let my fingers dance all over the surface of my skin. I put pressure on my inner thighs. I take my sweet time seducing myself before ever touching my genitals. And when I'm properly warmed up and efficiently lubed up, one of my favorite new bedroom accessories to reach for is the Oh My C from Ioba. I'm not sure what mechanism is in this thing, but the toy has a little nub that rotates at different speeds, so it mimics the sensation of being orally stimulated. It's nice, it's light, and it's quiet. Sometimes the sounds of my toys can actually take me out of my experience, so a softer, quieter toy is incredibly appreciated. I make sure to take deep breaths as I let the pleasure and sensation build, breathing it throughout my body, and when the time is just right, I pick up the speed of the rotation and I ride a full body wave of ecstasy. This is one of many acts of devotion I choose to regularly deliver to myself. And it's not about what my partner can or cannot give to me. It's about taking time to be with myself in my pleasure, doing anything and everything that feels good for me. If you're looking for a quiet, high-quality, beginner-friendly, super-cute vibe that doesn't actually vibe too hard, my personal recommendation is the Oh My See from Ioba. See the show notes for details and a discount. I'm Alexa, and you're listening to That Sex Check, a Soulfire production. Joining me on the show today, I have Arielle D'Angelo. Elle is an LGBTQ plus self-love coach and founder of We The Rainbow, a next level LGBTQ plus personal development organization and international community. Elle is a trauma-informed practitioner who uses transformative modalities such as NLP, hypnotherapy, and meditation to help her clients experience transformation on a subconscious and somatic level. Her mission is to help LGBTQ plus humans live more empowered and liberated lives rooted in authenticity and love. Today, we'll be talking about coming out, self-love, acceptance, and embracing your sexuality and identity. We'll be talking about her personal story with discovering her own sexuality, the coming out process for her and for others, and how all of that led to her pursuing a path in this area of life. This is a really lovely show. I am recording this intro post show, and there was so much sweetness, so much depth, so much sincerity shared on the show. And then also there are points points in time along the show where I found myself in my feels and in my vulnerability. And um, Elle is someone who I have worked with in the past. She's been a client of mine and 
I just love her so much. I love her message and her mission and I love her whole family. Um, I feel like I know them through social media and I've also um, had a coach and client relationship with one of her, uh, one of her siblings in the past. And so it's just, it feels very familiar and very safe to have a conversation with Ellen. I believe she feels the same way about me. And so I consider this another show that's with myself and a friend of mine. So in those experiences, when I record episodes with people who I'm very, familiar with, I have noticed that there's a difference in my shares. I'm, I'm actually willing to go there in air quotes, wherever that may be, um, in a way that maybe I don't get to go, or I don't feel safe enough to go when I'm speaking with someone who's maybe an expert in their field that I've only met through email or something like that. And so I really hope that y'all are enjoying these shows that allow for me, or I give myself space and permission to share aspects of my personality or my journey that maybe I would not have been able to share in another way, or I haven't given myself space to share on another episode. So I want to preface that. And also want to share that I recorded this in the month of June for pride. And so that I could deliver it to all of you during pride month. Y'all enjoy the show. Yay. L. We get to talk about all of the things today. And I am so excited to have you and to introduce you to my audience. Welcome to That Sex Chick. Lex, thank you so much for having me here. I'm so excited to be here with you. Your podcast is my favorite. You're my favorite. And this just makes my heart so happy. (laughs) And I will receive that as if you've never told anybody else that. I will receive it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, but I love you so much. So it's uh, different. It's it's special. Thank you. Yes. And so for all of our listeners um, of the show, just so you know, Elle has been a client of mine in the past. She's done programs that I've been a part of, ones that are more, I would say, business oriented. Um, and through that process, you know, there's just like a, a vibe that we've got. There's just, there's where there's resonance, there's a free flow kinds of love and energy and all of that. And I just, I love you. I love your family, you know, because your sister has also played a big role, um, or vice versa. I've played a role in, in her life and her development and everything. And, and then also being a witness to how she runs her business and how she does life. And I just love the D'Angelo's. Oh, we love you. We love you. Yeah. Lexi, Lexi slash Taylor led me to you and I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. Yeah. And we get to talk about all the things. I mean, your life and your business and the way that you operate is fascinating to me from a business perspective. And, and Mm -hmm. I'm like cheerleading on the side. And then for this particular episode, I want to go into you and your journey. Um, because the reason why your business is intriguing to me and, and it's, Uh, definitely has a place in my heart is because while it's not necessarily sex specifically, the act of sex, it is about sexual orientation. And so I find your story so beautiful and I want to share it with um, our audience. And so I would love if you shared some of how you came to be. Um, I know that that's a big ask and I don't want to go too deep into it because I want, I'm more interested in like what's going on now and where are we going in, into the future? And I have lots of questions. I admittedly, I shared, uh, before I, I hit record, I did share with you. I feel comfortable and safe with you to potentially ask you questions that I have not felt comfortable enough in a situation to ask other people, maybe, Mm. especially in public and certainly not on the show. And so as I 
get you to tell your story, I think some people will understand my why behind that. So to be continued on, on that one. So yeah. who was L before she came out? And is that the right phrase to use? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a great phrase to use. <laughs> um, oh my gosh. That's such a great question. Um, and it's, I always get like chills when I talk about my story because I have a moment where I zoom out and I'm like, I would have never thought I would be here telling this story openly out and just doing what I do. So it's always such an honor every single time that I get to tell, um, how I got to this point. And so it really was a difficult journey for me. My coming out process took many, many years. I was closeted for what felt like forever. Um, I definitely had a ton of shame around my identity. There were many years where I just lived in denial around who I was. I would look in the mirror and say like, there's no way I could be gay. I mean, look at me. I'm this femme woman who loves dressing up, who likes talking to boys until, I mean, that's it. (laughs) I like talking to them, maybe kissing them. But it was literally just, it it didn't really come to mind that this could be a reality for me because there was no one in my inner circle. There was no one in my outer circle. There was no one in my life. There were no role models that I saw in the media who really looked like me, who were gay, who were femme, who, who really like, who I identified with, I guess you could say. So I always had grown up in probably, I grew up in one of the straightest areas of Massachusetts. I went to the straightest high school you can imagine. There was not a ton of diversity. And so for me, it was like to be anything other than straight was wrong. It was weird. It was the other. It was shameful. It was not okay. It wasn't an option. It wasn't an option. If I wanted to fit in, in this life, I had to be straight. So I kind of went on throughout my journey, um, just fully telling myself that denying everything I felt suppressing all of it. And, um, it got to a point where it was eating me alive. I was in several different secret relationships. Um, nobody ever knew, uh, one of them was very unhealthy And it got to the point where I was like, I need to do something about this because this is not how I want to be living. And I would spend every single night wishing upon every shooting star. I would pray to God. I would do all the things, just asking to please be straight, pick Mm -hmm. anybody else. And that didn't happen. (laughs) I was, I was chosen for this, (laughs) chosen for this gay life. And I went to this retreat where Um, I went there with the intention of loving myself and and just finding a way to have more self-acceptance. And I was hoping that in the process of that, maybe some miracle would happen and I would realize I was straight. That didn't happen at all. Um, I left that retreat with just a full understanding of who I was and full acceptance, compassion and love for who I was. And that was the first time I realized like, it's okay to not be straight. And so, yeah, from there I started coming out and, um, I guess to answer your question, who I was before this point, who I was before I was out was like a sliver of who I actually am. I I wasn't really living my truth in any capacity Mm -hmm. 
and it was eating me alive. So life is way better <laughs> on the, on other, the side. other side. And I'm very happy I'm here. Through the door. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the metaphorical lots door. Lots of light on the other side. Yeah. What was it like uh, coming out to friends and family and how was that experience? Yeah. Well, you know, every single time I would come out to someone, I would feel like I was going to shit my pants, throw up and like explode all at once. Like, I don't know how to describe it other than literally that. Um, so it was terrifying. It was terrifying. And what I felt like was like, okay, I'm putting everything on the line. It's almost easier for me to stay comfortable. I wasn't comfortable, but for me to stay in this comfort zone and keep living in this way, because what if I come out and everybody rejects me and abandons me and, and tells me that they want nothing to do with me. And so I had like all of these fears that I thought were going to come true. And I slowly just realized like, I need to stop making myself sick and I need to just take this one step at a time. So I came out to um, my brother and sister first (laughs) and my phone was broken, which I was super happy about because I was able to just tell them like in this typed out message and then run away, like like, group me. Like it was like something weird. I forget, but it was like in the text chat. And I was like, I need to talk to you guys. This is what's going on for me. And so my sister was like, Oh my God. Yeah. Like let's get on a call. So I was like, okay, yeah, I can call you from my computer. So we all talked from my computer and it turns out my sister hadn't even read the message. She like read the last bit. So she's reacting on the spot and she was great. (laughs) Like she was so amazing, obviously. And so was my brother. Well, he had read it and he had like responded, like, I love you so much. Like, you know, do you like go be a lesbian? (laughs) So they were both like incredible. Um, but yeah, I was like, they're the only people I'm telling. I'm not telling anybody else. And then slowly, like one by one, I would tell my closest friends. And then around a year later, um, I wrote my parents a letter. And I once again, plopped that into our family text thread and said, I have a letter for you to read. I'm going to be in meetings for the next four-ish hours. So if you have questions, ask Lexi or Michael. Don't ask me. (laughs) But it went great. It went great. I got really lucky. Yeah. Very lucky. Yeah. And then the the feeling after you knew that you weren't going to spontaneously combust and Mm. or vomit or poop your pants or any of that. Mm -hmm. When you realize like, oh, it is also safe on the other side of this too. What was that feeling like? Oh my goodness. I like, don't think that there's ever, I don't think there's any feeling I could describe it to. Like it feels like bungee jumping when you're about Mm -hmm. to jump off that cliff or that bridge or wherever you bungee jump and you just like, don't know what's going to happen. And your stomach is in in knots and, and doing jumping jacks. And then afterwards, I will say like with my parents, there's this moment where I like just burst into tears and I was like, I shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't have done this. Like I'm freaking out because I hadn't heard their response yet. And every part of me wanted to turn back. And my sister was just like holding me. And she was like, you are going to be, makes me emotional, so much happier on the other side of this. And like, this is going to change their world in a positive, such a positive way. And 
I just, you know, when I realized it was okay, it was like this lightness I've never experienced before because I lived my whole life with that heaviness, with Mm -hmm. that constant wondering, that constant fear, that constant, oh, how the fuck am I ever going to come out? So it it was just unlike anything I've I've ever experienced. Mm. Wow. That, that almost, do you think that mom and dad will come on a show with me? <laughs> My mom and dad. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't know if you want them. I'm just, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm just thinking about a mom and dad that has gone through this. Um, Honestly, actually you might want them. They would be very entertaining. Yeah, I would imagine <laughs> if they've produced you and your siblings, then I imagine very entertaining. I've also watched them oh, on, yeah. on your social media or Lexi's social media and they just look like a riot. They're characters. Yeah. But I mean, I I can just imagine as someone who at some point will be a mother, which still, as I say that, I just, that causes me to like, want to poop and vomit and all that (laughs) and just all of it. Like, I can't believe I'm even saying it now, considering five years ago, I was like, no, I'm not doing that. Mm -hmm. Not for me. It's not for me. Um, Jordan changed my whole damn world. Um, So, but I think about the idea and, you know, and we've theorized. We've been very um, theoretical and imaginative of like, what if our kid does this? And what if our kid does Mm, that? And how will we feel? And what will we do? And of course it is all like, we don't actually know until the, you know, until it's coming. But I just consider myself in that position. I like being a mom and just being like, you know, to have my kids say this thing that sets them free. Mm. It's like, oh, just, yes. I know. Be free. That's all I could want for you is to like, it almost makes me emotional and I don't have a kid and they're not even saying this, you know, it's just, it's a very weird, like all, all I can want for you is like be exist in your body and exist in the world in a way that is truest for you in a way that is just like liberating and, and like sets you free to have like a really great human experience. Like that means so much. And I think that for a lot of parents, they probably get wrapped up in like, what could this mean? What does this mean for my family? What does this mean for this? I did not, I didn't do a good job being a parent. And they just get, they wrap themselves up in the fact that their kid is having an experience and is telling them something. It's not about what you did as a parent. It's not about you. Mm -hmm. You know, it's about this person that you love, that you've created, like you've brought into the world. And that's, what's going to make you such a good parent. Like the fact that you already feel that and know that I just, Oh, I wish that everybody in the world who's even thinking of being a parent, like it should be mandatory. Like if you're going to have a kid, love them unconditionally. And just some of the stories that I hear inside of my communities and with my clients and beyond that are just so heartbreaking. Like to hear that parents couldn't love you because of who you love and how you identify is just mind blowing to me. It just, it doesn't. Yeah. But it it brings me to, and I'm sure that you've had it, had it phrased this way. It's their inability to love their projection, like their inability to love themselves in that experience. It's all about them. It's all about them. It has nothing to do with the kid. Which is fucking selfish. And people are doing the best that they can with the resources they have, that they have available and everybody's got to go on their own journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's Mm -hmm. wild. So I'd like to think that a lot of people listening to the show are, are ready to have their minds blow and blown in some way, shape or form in the realms of whether it's sexual orientation, which this podcast is not specifically about, like I mentioned, sexual orientation, but sexual orientation factors in very much so in sex itself. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 
So totally. speaking about your community and seeking mm-hmm. it, cause that, that kind of alludes to some of the work that you do as a, mm-hmm. I think you have on Instagram, lesbian self-love coach. I just changed it changed to it? LGBTQ plus, yeah. which is, was a, you know, big identity shift for me, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's, but that's what I am now. I do call myself a lesbian. I feel like I change on the daily. I'm like, yeah, I'm gay. I'm a lesbian. I'm queer. I don't know. I just labels for me. Yeah aren't really my thing. I'm kind of just like, do, do what feels best for you. And for me, my sexuality is like very fluid. Um, and I feel like as I grow and evolve, like what labels I use are also, also going to change. So I feel like most of the people I help are just under that umbrella of LGBTQ plus. So that's what kind of resonated in that bio. Identify as not straight. Yeah. Ish. Yeah. Maybe. Something like that. Like, don't we all? I uh, know. I guess there are people who <laughs> identify as very, very straight, but like extra, extra straight, and they need you to know it. So straight. Yeah. You will not come near my butthole. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I don't know. It's so crazy, though. It's it's so interesting to think about. I could go down a whole rabbit hole with like sexuality and what has been shaped by our societal norms, and you know, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I remember a time when I decided that I was going to identify as polyamorous. That Mm. was, it was a term at the time where I was like, you know what? I am, I'm going to do life this other way. I'm going, I am actively choosing to do things unconventionally, not traditionally. I'm going to do, so I am, I would start Mm -hmm. the sentence with I am. And then life changed and I grew and I met different people and I had to get really clear with myself. Am I identifying with this because I am hurt and I am angry at what the alternative or the other option, what I had experienced up to that point, what was my reasoning for identifying as this thing? And then eventually, and I had someone that I cared about a lot that I was in a relationship with that posed those questions to me. They were like, it just seems like you're angry. It seems like you're Mm -hmm. sad. And that's the reason why you're doing this. And at that time I was like, no, you don't know. I'm liberated and I'm a woman. And and I, you know, I like, I had this chip on my shoulder with this. I'm going to identify as this way. And Mm -hmm. then it made it really difficult when life showed me different things. And I decided I didn't want that thing for myself. Then I questioned myself, what does this mean about me? I don't actually know who I am. And then my identity starts falling into pieces. And I'm like, I thought I wanted this other thing. And now, and I've been public about it. You know, like I still have feels about, like I I just mentioned about the family thing and about marriage and about being monogamous and all, all of that. And, you know, like there's posts that come up every June. So happy pride, everybody. Um, I, that, that have me talking about bisexuality, but I'm like, I'm in this relationship with a straight man. It's all very heteronormative looking monog, all of this, like everything I said I had been against, I now have as my experience. So what does that mean about me? A lie. No, it means I'm a human and I'm having a human experience that is in flux, that is fluid, that is ever changing and unfolding. And thank fucking goodness, because life would be so damn boring if it was in this little box. Like, oh, I jumped out of one box and I threw myself into another box. And now I'm like neatly packaging myself inside. It's just so happens that I'm inside of this box, but I put rainbow paper on the outside. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so eventually I wound up going there's a difference in the language. If I say I'm practicing this now, or Mm. I am, I have a polyamorous relationship now, which is very different to, I am this way. So the Mm -hmm. language of the, the identification language, I think for so many people, it helps them 
at first tip over the edge. And then I think for a lot of people, they go, oh, this isn't actually serving me now. And so then they grow into the next phase, which is I am this human having a human experience chasing, not necessarily chasing pleasure, available for pleasure, open to love, dot, dot, dot. Mm, Yes. Oh my gosh. So much yes to all of this. And it's so fascinating because labels and identities come up all the time, you know, with the, the people that I help and work with and with myself, it's like, okay, when is this label or identity serving me? When does this label or identity feel empowering for me? And when does it not? When does it feel confusing? And when does it feel like it's boxing me in? When does it feel limiting? So I really think that for everybody, that's entirely different. It's going to be a different narrative for everyone. Um, And I always encourage people to do what feels best, to intuitively do what feels most supportive for them. So whether that's, you know, coming out and identifying as a certain label, awesome. If that feels good for you, amazing. And if you're someone who hates fucking labels, that's cool too. Go with that. So I think that also you bring up a really interesting point where there's a lot of people in my community who say like, I'm in a heteronormative relationship right now, or I'm married, I'm a woman married to a cis man. And I also identify as bisexual, but like people don't see me in that identity or like respect that. I also like have that attraction because I'm with a man right now. And it's like, I think that it's so interesting because again, sexuality is just so much more expansive and so much more fluid than we realize. So even if we're partnered with somebody right now who makes us appear on the outside as like a different identity, it's, it's just so nuanced and it it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter. It's like really what feels most empowering and best for you. And you can be bisexual or pansexual and be in a heteronormative appearing relationship. Yeah. All the language. Sometimes I'm just like, Oh, I'm exhausted of this. How about we be (laughs) people like, Oh, Oh, you're telling me you're human. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. totally. Absolutely. I think that, uh, yeah, it's, it can be a lot. And it's also hard when I see that so many people like so much of their anxiety and depression around their identity and, and, you know, exhaustion and fear is rooted in these labels. Yeah. I'm like, fuck the fucking labels or, or not <laughs> like if they work for you, great. But like, if they're not just screw the labels. Yeah. Yeah. Like what, like screw the labels. What is your heart or your genitals want right now? Exactly. Yeah. Follow the feels. That's what I always say. Follow, Follow the feels. feels. Yeah, absolutely. And be true, be true to your heart and be true to your desires and be true to your authenticity. And, you know, there are times when the labels and the certain, certain types of labels become trendy and, you know, and, and I look at certain, I'm just paying attention to, you know, my nieces are a couple generations behind, you know, my, my, I have a niece that's 21 or she just turned 21. We went to Vegas for her 21st birthday. And I think the year before she came out as bisexual, um, and it was very sweet. She, uh, (laughs) <laughs> and has been open about all these things more or less in her social media and all of that. And, and to, to a degree, I would say yeah. it was very cute when she, um, she was at Disney world with my mom, which she's actually at Disney world with my mom right now at the point of this recording. And, and she asked my mom to take a picture of her. She saw a balloon of a Mickey head that was rainbow and she ran up to it and she was like, mama, can you take a picture of me with this balloon? And my mom was like, why do you want to take a picture with that balloon specifically? <laughs> 
and you know, I'm deep South Louisiana. Yeah. Yeah. My, my, my yeah. family has just been kind of waiting for it. Mm, like, like mm-hmm. we're just, whatever you want. We've been that in that place. Right. Of like you're a fascinating creature and you're clearly different to all of us. So, you know, yeah, but totally. it's, a, it's on your time when you want to share these kinds of it's things. It's a hard thing it. to navigate it. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Like as a family member, who's, who knows <laughs> who's waiting. For sure. Yeah. And so anyway, I would love to hear your take on um, what you would say to someone who hasn't come out yet that are maybe mm. considering it. You know, I saw, I saw a little, uh, like it was an Instagram reel or something that was of a 91 year old man, which is floating around. I think it might be going viral right now because of pride and all that. And he was yeah. basically saying, I'm 91 years old and it's, and I just want, I have a message. It's never too late to come out. And he's like lived his whole life. And then in his nineties, he said, it feels so amazing to have a boyfriend and I hold his hand in public. He's 91. And like my heart explodes. So Uh, when I say, you know, what would you say to someone who hasn't come out yet is potentially afraid. I'm not just talking about the 17 year old, the 25 year old. I'm potentially talking about, you know, a person who is in a marriage, who has kids, who's later in life, that's post-divorce, like someone outside of age and configuration of what their family and dynamic has looked like in the past? Yeah. Um, you know, I think that it's really interesting because people all the time come to me and they're like, you know, I'm in my, I have people who are younger than me who say I'm coming out late in life right now. And is it too late for me to come out? And I've already lived this life. And I'm like, absolutely not. And then I have people who are, you know, 40 years older than me who say, I feel like it's too late for me to come out at this point. And I just, I just want to emphasize that it is never, ever, ever too late to come out. I know that it can feel like you are interrupting a pattern and that's a good thing. Like, that's a great thing. If you're following your truth and you're finally interrupting that pattern of people pleasing and living life for everybody else, but yourself, like follow the nudge, do what feels good for you because you so deeply deserve it. And if you need support getting there, I'm here for you. Um, and I have a community of so many other humans who are also experiencing that. But I think that the thing to know is that, um, I think there's a few tips that I have for somebody who's in a place where they're later in life, never too late in life, but who feel like they're later in life and don't know how to navigate this. The first thing I would say is to get support, to find somebody that you can confide in, whether that's a sibling, a friend, a coach, a therapist, so that you're not navigating this alone. I mean, I know what it feels like to spend so many years ruminating and suppressing and just keeping everything so deep inside of you, and it's torture. So if you can just even experience that release with one person where you are able to be your authentic self, I mean, it's a game changer. It's a game changer and it's a massive step. It's a stepping stone in in the whole, whole equation. So I would say confide in someone, find that support, know that you don't need to go about this alone. Um, And there are resources, there's a community out there waiting for you. I think that so many other people also get nervous about uprooting their life and realizing like, okay, what happens if I lose all of my friends or I came out to one friend, it didn't go well, and I'm terrified to come out to the rest. 
And I think that as painful as it is to lose friends in the process of being your authentic self, it's also a really great indicator of like, who's a true friend and who's going to stand by you. And ultimately, while it might feel really painful right now, that shedding is serving you. I mean, yeah, I've, I just, I can't emphasize that enough. Like your people will find you and you'll shed the people that aren't meant to be there and attract the ones who are. Absolutely. And I think maybe for some people, when you say, oh, I came out to a friend and it didn't go well, you're not necessarily talking about that person was mad. Like, oh my God, how dare you? I don't know you. They didn't like, you know, flip a table and walk out necessarily. But it's like, oh, I told this person and now all of a sudden I'm not getting invited to certain things anymore. They're not wanting Mm -hmm. to talk to me in a particular way anymore. Or I told a same sex or same gender, which parts of, um, I'm always, what's the words to use? is a challenging uh, position. So I'm like, so someone who identifies the same gender as you and now, and now I'm, and now uh, they're like being weird about Mm -hmm. it, about me, about the whole Mm -hmm. thing. Um, And now all of a sudden there's this, I come out as this and everybody thinks that like, they're like afraid of me. They're Mm. afraid that I'm going to hit on them or that I'm going to want to have sex with them or it's weird. So when you Mm -hmm. say like it could go sideways There's lots of flavors of sideways. Oh yeah. Hmm. There are, there are. And I think that also something to note, like everything that you just mentioned, all of those were my fears for so many years. I was like, this is all going to play out. As soon as I come out, my friends won't want to get changed around me. Like they're not going to have the same conversations with me. Like they're going to, they're going to be scared that I'm hitting on them, whatever it was. And none of that happened. So that was an amazing feeling and it does happen for some people. And again, I think that like being really deliberate with like who you tell this to in the beginning so that you can get your footing. Um, I think that for me, a huge game changer in my own coming out process was loving and accepting myself first. So that's what allowed me to speak out about it and share this with other people because I was confident in who I was or I was really, I was getting there with my sexuality. And I was like, all right, I finally am in a place where I love myself. I know I deserve better than this. So now I'm going to share this with others. So being on that journey of self-love was actually life-saving and yeah. crucial for yeah. me. And do you mean it when you say life-saving? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Like this is a thing that mm-hmm. this coming out process can weigh such a heavy burden on people's lives that there's the possibility or the consideration for a lot of people in this community to maybe in their life, which is Mm. so heartbreaking. So when you say like going through this process, like the work that you do is really significant and really powerful because it is literally changing, not just changing, but it is saving lives. Mm. Yeah. I absolutely feel that way. I mean, seeing how that played out in my own journey I know how important this work is. And I also like have the most incredible clients who reflect this back to me all the time and they make my heart so happy. Um, But it really, it really is like having that support and being able to connect with yourself and your own inner guidance in this process and learning how to be your own best friend instead of your own worst enemy. Like the coming out process is hard enough. We don't need to make it any harder for ourselves. So Yeah. Try to be your own best friend in that process. Yeah, for sure. And while all of this is, uh, it's like about who you want to have sex with, 
It's like yeah. about who you want to have relationships with and who you're attracted to. And I hear that. I'm sure you hear this too. Or like, I don't really care who you want to have sex with. You just live your life, mm-hmm. you know, but this is clearly about way more yeah. than the sex itself. It's like how you show up in the world, which, you know, that's a big basis of why I do what I do. And I talk about sex as, yeah, I can help people do the act much better cool. I can tell you some techniques. Here's a new toy, all of that. But that is a tiny drop in the bucket of what delving into sex, sexuality, sexual orientation, all of that can deliver for us. Some, someone's the totality of their life and how they show up everywhere else in their life. So while yes, we're, yeah, okay, cool. It's this big old deal about who they want to have sex with. It is so much more than that. Like sex Mm -hmm. in general is so much more than that. And it is now time to talk about sex specifically because I can't have you on that sex chick and we're not talk about how you do gay sex. Let's do it. (laughs) So mom and dad don't listen to it. So this is where you press pause or stop (laughs) abort mission. Um, (laughs) What do you do? I want to talk about navigating sex. I mean, I have had sexual experiences with other women and other types of people and I've enjoyed them thoroughly. And now I realize Mm -hmm. I'm in a new frontier being with my person that I want to do life with. And now does that mean that I don't get to do that anymore? Or what does it mean? How can I have that? And like, I'm feeling a little rusty. And so I'm sure that there's so many, but then I have friends that are like, I really have fantasies. I have fantasies. I want to, I want to have sex with other women. I want to sex with other people. What is it going to mean? What does it mean about me? How do I do it? And I have one friend in particular where she talked about like, having a threesome or like taught, you know, wanting to have what or just flirting with another woman and getting to a yeah. certain point. And I was like, we want to touch a vagina. She just like, <gasps> she's like, I didn't think that far. I didn't touch a vagina. No. I didn't think that far. So anyway, let's totally, totally. quickly talk about like, what is that experience? Like when you like finally come to terms of like, Oh, I, I think I like chicks or I want to have sex with a chick. And then actually seeing, I mean, I know it was weird for me in like a straight scenario, looking at a man body and going, I don't know what the fuck to do with that. And that looks really foreign to me. At least Mm. looking at another woman and be like, oh, look, you're so pretty. I have those parts also. Anyway, I'm babbling. Help. No, I love this. Um, Yeah, I think that I always tell people who are nervous about having a sexual experience or women who come to me who are nervous about having an experience with another cis woman. I'm like, you know what, like, or women in general, they're like, I don't know, like how to navigate this. I've never, um, experienced like, you know, sex in this way. And I personally felt like it was super intuitive. Like it just made sense. I don't know. It's like, okay. Like I, I know my body. I feel like I can figure this out (laughs) like pretty easily. Um, but also I think that um, communication was always like so huge with other women off the bat. Like that was never lacking. I've never had like a lacking in communication, sexual encounter with another woman. Although yes, it does happen. Like, of course there are women who don't know how to communicate, but I just found that that was way more present for me personally in my journey than when I was, you know, just like sleeping with or, or physical with men, um, throughout. I've talked about this on the show before. We're like, straight with the straight, the straight scenarios. It's like, we just don't talk all of a sudden clothes are off. And I guess we're doing this. And there's like all of these 
little things that lead to yes to sex, but there's like almost no verbal communication. And then all of a sudden, like we had sex and like there were expectations and things are mix match and all that. And then it's, I, in my more, you know, in, in, in any situation that wasn't just with a straight man. Yeah. Like we're actually talking about it. Right. right. <laughs> Why is it so different? I don't know. And I think that's also like, was a huge part of my attraction to women is that emotionally it just felt so deep. And so for me, I absolutely consider myself a demisexual. Like I need to have that emotional connection to someone in order to experience attraction. So like, I don't typically just like see someone on the street and I'm like, oh my God, I, I want to have sex with them. Like I'm so attracted to them. Yeah. I'll notice that someone is attractive to me, but I don't immediately feel that connection with them, if that makes sense. Um, but also coming back to like what you were sharing before, when you were saying your friend is like, oh, I didn't even think that far. I didn't think that far. I just, vagina. Yeah. It's so funny because I've had so many friends in my past experiences tell me like, you know, I could absolutely have another woman go down on me, but I would never in a million years go down on them. And I used to say the exact same thing. I was just like, okay, I'm, I'm attracted to you. I'm definitely like, I feel in love with this human and I like want to be with them all the time. And like, I absolutely like want to have sex with them. But I think that a huge part of it is that like our society has made like vaginas shameful and like wrong. And like, we've made something like not okay about it. So I was telling myself like, yeah, I would never really like do anything because as soon as I take it that far, like one, that's weird Two, that's gross, just three ew. And so I used to say all of these things myself and I'm like literally such a fucking lesbian is how I identify <laughs> right now. And like, I, it's funny to look back and think about that. And I think that I don't know, like we probably used to say that about penises too. Like when we were younger, ew, it smells strange. I don't understand it. Please put it inside. Like just put it in me. It's weird. It's a very weird, like you got mixed emotions. Totally. Totally. And I think it's just like deconstructing that. And I, I wasn't even consciously deconstructing that at the time. I was just like, okay, I love this human and I want to be intimate with them. And then I was like, oh, this is like not a fucking big deal at all. So I was like, I actually like this. So So eventually you put your face, you went face, face to face, eye to eye with a vulva into into the portal. Oh yeah. The whole thing, the whole package. (laughs) And it was a heavenly experience. Oh, great. So what's heavenly about it? I I want to know that for sure. You're right. Exactly. We never (laughs) stopped. We're still going. Well, I did stop. I did stop. I was like, I need to fall in love with a man. Like this is not okay. And I felt like, like obsessed. I was like, I need, I want to only keep being with women. Like, I love this. This makes me feel so good. And like, this is who I want to be intimate with. But then, I mean, there was so much shame present. And I was like, if I don't stop within the next year and a half, like that enters like really bad territory. That means that like, I'm becoming an adult and I'm still sleeping with women like this is no longer acceptable. Right. And I had like all of these rules Sounds in my like head. <laughs> like I was creating all of these rules. And I was like, if you are still sleeping with women by age 24, like you are 
going to be a lesbian for life. And like, that's not okay. And like, who, who is telling me this? And also just like, do what feels good. So I did sleep with men and I just kept trying to feel the same feelings that I felt when I was with women. And I tried fucking everything and I couldn't. Fucking like literally like tried a lot of things or fucked everything. (laughs) A little bit of both, Both. you know, (laughs) (laughs) it isn't working clearly. I mean, I don't know. So it, it was, it was a ride. It was a ride, but now I'm back to, um, my my family's like out in the hallway um so yeah that's where we're at today (laughs) that is incredible uh okay so inquiring minds want to know let's just pretend that my friends there's multiple of them that want to have sex with women I'm just going to go here this is also for selfish reasons because I want to hear this yeah and I also want no, I'm I'm not I'm not gonna I was gonna say selfishly kind of want like mom and daddy hear this in the hallway. No, I don't. I don't. Um I mean <laughs> their ears are like pressed up against the door. No, God, yeah. Well, I mean no. if they're gonna come they're, on the show, then they need to they're, know they're running the other way. Yeah. So uh how do you do sex with a woman the best way? You know, best like for the one, like for the ones that are like, I don't even know what to touch, I don't know how to do it, I haven't thought that far. Like if you can remember like the first time there's a female body here and there's a female body here. And I'm just gonna, you know, is step one touch left boob. I don't know. You know? <laughs> totally. Um, I think it's interesting because I was actually reflecting on this the other day and, um, you know, especially as women who understand other women's bodies, we put, there's, there's statistics that say like women, have more orgasms when having sex with other women than in like straight cis heterosex. That's there's like a statistic out there. I don't know exactly what it is. What? Imagine that. Imagine that. Imagine that. Because if, if I understand your body is anywhere close to the complex predictable creature that my body is, then I know don't put the pressure in this particular way, in this particular spot, rotate and ask, do you like exactly. it side to side or do you like it up and down? Or do you exactly. like it a little bit in and a little bit out? So. <laughs> totally. So yeah. I think that like we put so much pressure though on ourselves to like do it right. And to like, please this other human and to like make them finish at least once. You know what I mean? And I think that if there's any advice that I could give, it's like just to release all of that and to have fun exploring and like be really in your body and like experience what it feels like to be intimate with another woman. And like, that's so cool. And when you're really present in that way, it doesn't matter. Like I've had some incredible sexual experiences where neither person, you know, finishes and it's like, incredible sex, you know? So I think that you don't need to define it in that way. I would do what intuitively feels best for you and communicate in the process. Like you can start really slow, like makeout sessions are great. You know, you don't even need to like do much more, but then just take it really slowly. I think that, um, everybody is different and how they experience pleasure. And, um, I think that, you know, some people are way more sensitive than others. Others want to just dive right into it. It could depend on the day, the time, the season. Yeah. So just really honoring like what you need and what your partner is communicating to yeah. you. 
So what are some of your favorite toys? Ooh, you know, it's funny because for the first, like how many years, like maybe, I don't know how long I've been doing this gay thing. Um, (laughs) It's been a while now, but for the first, like long amount of time, we never used any toys. It was just like, you know, we were sneaking around. Nobody knew we were trying to like have sex as secretly as possible. And we were so scared of anyone ever finding anything. So I think that it's interesting. Like I talked to so many people who haven't had even like strap on sex, um, as a gay couple. And it wasn't until like later in my relationships where that happened. And even so, like, I personally am not like obsessed with it. (laughs) So I like, I don't know. I think my favorite toys, what is it called? Um, the, is it the clandestine? You like the little, the little guy that looks like a stingray, stingray, a stingray. I love that one. But also like the womanizer is great. I've had, you know, (laughs) I don't want to see like in their families listening to this. Um, I've had people who I know really love like the womanizer. I like it, but I'm not like obsessed with it. Sure. Um, but yeah, I think like mainly external for me personally. Yeah. Or maybe sensation 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 so like a lot of times whenever i say the word sex toy or i say toy people immediately think vibrator dildo strap on uh Mm. you know and then for some people they immediately go flogger pinwheel blindfold Mm, yeah 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 yeah. i mean i would say since i'm very energetic Mm -hmm. so like i am very sensitive in the way that in which like again i need to experience an emotional connection with someone i need like unless I'm in a relationship with them, it also depends on the day and the time and the season. Sure. But, um, for me, it's like, if we are involving toys, it would be something probably external, but you know what? Strap-ons are actually pretty cool in the sense where you have like a vibrator. So if you're the one wearing it, right, there's also a like vibrator a vibrator on the inside on your, yeah. On your clit, if you're the one wearing it, so yeah. you can both really experience pleasure in that exchange. So strap-ons are great, although I feel like they're not like an everyday accessory. Right, right. And and in part of the reason why I asked the question is to illustrate this, mm-hmm. is to illustrate that it's more about the connection that you have with the person and not necessarily about the toy specifically. Exactly. Though if you did have one that was like, oh my God, this one ergonomically speaking or whatever, or just like, this is a particular one where we both we're both really into the moment. We're really all, all we're checked, checked all the boxes. It's the perfect scenario. This particular toy just works, you know, like if there were something like that, then cool. Then it's, it's a little bit about the toy. We can rave about it for a moment, but generally speaking, it's about the connection that you have with the person and sex looks like sex is whatever sex means to you. Mm -hmm. So if you make out and you rub bodies and there's clothes and that is sex to you, and that feels in your body like, oh, like I had sex with someone in this way, or you're naked, or you're there's fingers, or there's penetrative toys, or mouths. There's a lot of ways. Totally. And I think the biggest there's the so biggest, many ways. Yeah. And the biggest sex organ is the brain. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that, yeah, that's what's actually really cool about it is, you know, whether you're involving toys or you're not, it can look different every single time. And I've had friends say like, how do lesbians like have like crazy sex or why are lesbians, why do lesbians sex last longer 
than men or whatever. I'm like, it can look different every single time. Like what you can do with a man, we can do as well. (laughs) So, you know, it's just, it's mainly about who you're with, what the energy, you know, what energy is present there, what chemistry is present between you two. And, and that's what it is. So, um, while yes, pussy is amazing and powerful. It's also like, I I'm with this woman because I love her and I love her energy and I love her soul and I want to be with her and I'm attracted to her. So absolutely. Yeah. I love that so much. And now this is not a question on my little list here, but I like it. Uh, when you just said, I've heard some people say dot, dot, dot. I'm really curious what else you've heard people ask. Like Ooh, what like um, kind of weird, crunchy, are yeah. you fucking kidding me? Or maybe even like, oh, that's a legit question. Like a. Yeah, let me question. think. Okay. Hmm. People always ask about scissoring. They're like, how often <laughs> does it happen? What, you know, is it real? Um, do you do it all the time? And so I'm like, honestly, like, no, like, this is what's interesting. So as far as what I'm aware of, (laughs) there's scissoring. And then there's also something called tribbing, Mm -hmm. which is like under the umbrella of scissoring. And so I didn't consider tribbing scissoring. So when people would ask me like, oh, do you scissor? I'd be like, absolutely not. Never. Like that happens like every now and then. And some people do it all the time and they like it. I think it depends on the relationship, the situation again. Um, but for me, that wasn't like a normal part of our sexual routine <laughs> right. encounter. Okay. And so um, then scissoring would be straight vulva to vulva. Yeah. Yeah. Like your heads are in opposite directions. Um, ish. I feel like, ish. you know, there's several ways to do it, but yes. Yeah. yeah. I'm just, I'm helping people paint a picture as they listen. Totally. To voices. totally. Yes. Yeah. And then there's something called tribbing, which is like under that umbrella term. But I also consider that like, you know, it would be like humping or, you know, not necessarily vulva to vulva, but like rubbing up against each other. Like a hip bone and I, or a side yeah. leg or yeah. the mons pubis, like the, the pubic bone versus. Totally. Yes. Yeah, totally. And so I feel like that's something that's actually very common, mm-hmm. um, in women who are having sex with other women. Like that's something I hear all the people are like, yeah, we do that. And that's very common, but I didn't, you, I previously did not consider that scissoring, but I guess it is. So, so yeah. Oh, great. I don't know. I love I don't like their language me on this, but I just, I can't keep up with it sometimes. And I know, I know. That that's, I don't like to use it as an excuse. I just can't keep up with it. It's changing all the time, but it's more like, it's just moving at a rapid pace. And sometimes I'm like, Oh, now we've categorized that. Did we really need to categorize that? Totally. Can we just like let that exist? It's kind of totally. fun to be like, I just do this little humpy thing. You know, I now know, it's been, now it's named something. Well, like, that's what I was just going to say. Like, just do what feels good. Like yeah, doesn't, yeah. you know, Absolutely. and when people use that to like invalidate or validate, oh, that's another thing. What sex is. I'm just like, it's so interesting. This is kind of going off topic, but not off topic because it's kind still of. sex related. But I used to say that I like, you know, was still a virgin because I had never had sex, penetrative sex with a man. And even though I was having sex with a woman, like in, in the, in the background behind the scenes, secretively all the fucking time, I was like, oh, I'm still a virgin because society doesn't accept that as sex. Like that's just, you know, um, girls 
playing, doing something, (laughs) playing. So I like would literally tell my friends like, yeah, I'm still a virgin. Like I haven't had sex yet. And then like, finally, when I did have penetrative sex with a man, it was like, oh, I'm suddenly like not a virgin anymore. And I'm like, that is so twisted. Like sex can be literally considered anything. And I know that like in heteronormative circumstances, like penetrative sex is typically considered like losing your virginity. But when you think about it, like having sex with a woman, sex doesn't necessarily, or anyone doesn't need to count as that. So, or it doesn't need to be um, defined by that. So I just found that to be really, really interesting. Um, I'm going off topic. I forget what I was going to leave this background to, but. I mean, but it's, it's great points to make even outside of you looping it back to a major point, but like, those are great things to consider. And uh, yeah, I'm just, I hope I'm always this fascinated by humans <laughs> and like their language and what they choose to do with their bodies, with their love, with their genitals, yeah. all of that. Um, any other questions that you get? So you got the one that was scissoring, you know, like, yeah, how do you I get do that the sex? a lot. Um, what other ones I'm trying to think. Um, I think that, uh, what, I mean, I should know this, like questions that my friends ask me about it. I feel like they're kind of like past the point of asking me those questions. Like at first they were really fascinated by the fact that like I had gone down another woman before they were like, holy fucking shit. And like, you make each other come, like you've made another girl. And I was like, yes, (laughs) like we're doing like everything that you would do. Um, but I don't know. I think that it's just, people are fascinated because they're not as exposed to it and it's more taboo. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're asking you questions so that you will talk about it so that they can potentially in some way in their mind kind of position themselves in the situation to see how they might experience or right. feel in that moment. Yeah. Uh, it's, and I, I imagine though, sometimes like people on the internet are weird, you know, when they say oh some, my like, fucked up shit. So I was more asking like kind of weird questions that you've been, that you've ever gotten, not just necessarily about friends or from friends, but just like random people on the internet. Yeah. I mean, people are, it's hard because I feel like people often sexualize queer women. So I'm very present on TikTok and it's like my main platform, I would say, where I post on it almost daily. And people ask weird, say, mainly not, not ask, like they say weird things and they request weird things. Like they'll say, Oh, like tell us about the time when like you and a woman like had sex, like so specifically. And they ask you questions that, you know, we would never ask a straight couple. So like, that's what kind of, I I think is an important note to make here is if you're someone watching, it is, I'm someone who you can always ask questions to, but it is pretty weird when people are asking you like right off the bat, such specific questions about your intimate relationship that they would never ask another couple. And, um, that's always interesting. So I get some of those on TikTok. I get some of those in person with strangers that I meet a lot of people asking to have threesomes when I'm not like putting that out there at all. It's, it's it's an automatic assumption that because you are out and you're open and you're communicating on the subject, then that must mean if you're out about your sexual orientation, then that must mean that you're just available exactly. for sex itself. Exactly. You ever get that exactly. like, well, but you're a lesbian. 
Like, I thought you were into chicks. It's like, whoa, hang on. I know. You know, have a threesome with us. My wife really thinks you're hot. Uh, where, what in all of the things that you just came across regarding me leads you to believe that you can say that shit, (laughs) you know? It's so crazy. It's so crazy. And I feel like, you know, even in New York city where it's like one of the most gay friendly cities in the world, um, men, cis men would come up to me all the time and like, you know, my partner and would, or they would come up to me, just say, asking me to ask and get my number, asking to take me on a date. And I would say, I'm actually in a relationship. Like I really enjoyed this friendship. Um, I think you're awesome. I would love to be friends with you. And either they bolt the other way, the minute I say I'm a lesbian, or they start swearing at me aggressively, asking me to prove it. And it's like, I've had to fucking prove my identity for so long to people who don't believe me to be gay. Um, and I've also had to prove that I was straight when I wasn't for so many years. So that can get like kind of annoying, but I always say that when that happens, I'm in a place where I feel safe enough to really like stand up for myself and to educate them with compassion and with love and say like, Hey, this is like actually not a totally okay thing to say to people. Like, I'm happy it was me because I can handle this, but some people can't, some people aren't as safe to have this conversation with you. Mm. So that's something that does happen a fair amount. Um, and I wish it didn't. So if you are a cis straight man watching this and you've done that before, it's okay. Have compassion for yourself, but next time maybe take it (laughs) a different route. (laughs) I will never forget being out in New York actually, and making eyes with someone on the dance floor. And I can't remember, this was at a particular time in life where I was in a window of um, not seeing anybody and made eyes with this person on the dance floor as another woman. And we like flirted from afar and then like had one of those, like, I'm going to find you in the bathroom in a little bit, mm-hmm. kind of like make out session. And it was just like one of those, like, fuck, I love my life. Like that was really yes. hot. And then And I don't remember, I think we had conversation and then we were like on the dance floor in this place, like kind of on the edge and still like kind of like communicating, but we were very close to each other. And I look over and there's a man just literally in bubble distance staring at us as if we were a spectacle. Mm -hmm. And I remember being like, dude, go away, go away. And then him saying some like vulgar shit about like, why don't you kiss? Yeah. What the fuck? That is just fucking weird. Absurd and gross and creepy. It's so creepy. And it's, it's hard because it's like that stuff happens all All that that stuff happens more than I'd like to admit. Like for the most part, whenever I've been with a romantic partner somewhere, like people are always staring, people are always whispering, laughing out loud, saying vulgar things, trying to get involved. Like it's very rare where I'm able to have an intimate moment with the person that I'm with and not be bothered or not feel like somebody is like watching me. Right. That their energy is encroaching on your experience. Exactly. And I like, don't give a fuck anymore. I'm just like, whatever, like. It's still there to some degree. (laughs) Yeah. But it's still present. It's still absolutely. Absolutely. Well, nobody thinks anything of Jordan is full on PDA all the time. He'll come up to me. He'll like put my butt, he'll just like grab my butt, put his arm around me, kiss me and just like walk away, you know, and yeah. we could be in public. He'll just come. He'll little PDA are his check-ins. 
Mm. You know, like he'll go be doing his very broy thing without a scantily clad running around athletic like or something. And it'll just come up to me yeah. and be like, hey, babe, and like kiss me. And nobody thinks anything of it. It happens. They're sitting right next to me. Nobody looks at it. And so it's one of those like it's weird, especially for I mean, you've had experience with men and you've had experience with women and mm-hmm. or just people in general. And I I've had that, too. And it's weird because there's a part of that that almost makes me a little bit averse to it. Where I'm like, I don't want to deal with that. Yes, I yeah. enjoy it. And it's so beautiful. And I, I would miss like the idea of never getting to experience a woman intimately again for the rest of my life. is kind of sad and it's been a long mm-hmm. time. And so it's one of those like Jordan and I have a relationship where anything is on the table. It's just a matter of how many conversations are required and how much processing and how much do like how much do we really want that thing? And anything is available. It's through a series of conversations we can get to some kind of like, yeah, an agreement on the other side. And that doesn't necessarily mean I go run off and I have a relationship with another woman or anything like that. If that right. is 10, then what is one or two? Maybe I'm just like flirting with or having a conversation mm-hmm. with or something like that. So it's just like, what is comfortable for us? But the thought of not having that experience again is sad. Mm-hmm. And and I think about the times when I have had them in life and the times where I not necessarily enjoyed it the most, it was private. It was kept private because I didn't have to worry about what other people were going to say or think or do. And so I was just like, oh, just meet me. Cause you know, the times when I really played and explored and it wasn't just like, oh, I'm kind of curious now. It's like, no, I'm actually into you. Um, It was at a time when I was living on cruise ships and it was just like, meet me back at my cabin, you know, in between relationships. And I had, I I had one of those periods in time where I'm like, fuck men. I'm not doing this for a while. I'm just going to be, I'm just going to be on women. Just like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to be on women for a minute and let's see how this goes. And, um, and that was kind of more of the, like, like, oh, notes under the cabin door. And, you know, we'd go out and like have a little something, something just enough to like entice the, the environment oh, and like exit. Like, I love this. I yeah. Love this. And I don't, I haven't, I haven't spoken really about all of this, certainly not on the show, mm-hmm. but it, it just feels like such a different time in life. You know, Jordan and I have been together now a little over three and a half years. We're getting married this year. And yeah, I'm just, I'm just reminded of like the anything and everything is available and it doesn't mean that I'm committed to him less or I want less to do with my future family or anything like that is so fucking important. Oh and gosh, also yeah. the creature in me, like the, the woman in me, the, the person who loves people and loves sexual expression and all of that. I'm just, yeah, I'm re-inspired. Threesomes have been a co- consistent conversation on our side, um, mainly because Bryn, who has been, you know, Bryn has been um, on the show. She's even talked about her threesomes and talked about her experience as the third. And I'm like, I miss being intimate with women too. Tell me everything. And also stop talking because I'm turned on and I'm sad. And (laughs) I want it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I love how, I mean, I think it's so amazing how you and Jordan just approach your entire relationship. And it's so inspiring to me. And it also just, it shows you and it shows everybody what's possible. Everything is possible. Like, I honestly think that I I am the most unconventional human in many ways. And I'm always just like, fuck the rules, fuck what society thinks. Like, this is what I want to do right now. And if you have that communication with your partner, like any, anything is possible for you. So Mm. exciting. So, so, so agree. And thank you. And like, I'm, I'm all re-inspired in so many ways having a chit chat with you. So thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah. As I was just like feeling, you know what, maybe I'm just fixated over here on the, on the monogamous train. 
with my heteronormative <laughs> relationship and my Greek god of a boyfriend, fiance. No, he is but a anyway. Greek god. <laughs> As a lesbian, Jordan, you're a Greek god. Oh my gosh, that is an attractive man. <laughs> he is. He, he is. is. I can. I can see that. He's just nice to look at. <laughs> I objectify him all the time. But I mean, I also have permission. I have blanket permission to do that. And he does that all day, every day for me as well. So, so anyway, um, and I think he's also very fascinated by all of this, the subject and, and my relationship with my orientation and just navigate. Yeah, it's all new. And, and he's only ever been in these positions of, you know, heteronormative straight vanilla Mm -hmm. And I come into his world and I'm like whips and chains and leather and <laughs> sex with other people. Let's go to the orgy dome. Um, so we didn't go to the orgy dome at Bernie man. We did go to an open sex experience, which, you know, he's like, am Ooh. I sure I'm bringing her into my life? And I want all of this. And like, yeah, I just need you to know we're going places. <laughs> well, I want to hear more about that. <laughs> I don't know if I talked about that on the show. Maybe I'll have to get Jordan and we can just talk about our, yes. the sex plus burning man experiences we had. Oh my God, please do. Yeah. Okay. Well, that'd be great. I'll hang up with you and then I'll rope him in here. <laughs> like we're recording a podcast, babe, sit down. <laughs> so, I love it. Um, last thing I would love any resources that you have for people who are hearing this conversation and whether they're, you know, they're resonating more with my story or my side of our conversation of being curious, of being flexible, of being wanting to entertain bisexuality or wanting to have their first experience with somebody who's of the same sex that, you know, just to test the waters out and see if the things that they're fantasizing about or the porn that they watch is all valid and good and all Mm -hmm. that. Or if they're like, they fully know it and they're hiding it, you know, there's just, there's so many shades of gray that we've been navigating and discussing. So whether they resonate more on your side um, or my side resources to help them in their process. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Well, I want you to know, I think what I love, what we've, what we've chatted about in this episode is just like following the feels. So kind of throwing the meaning out the window. I think that we can get so caught up in what does this mean about me? Um, and that can take us out of the present moment and away from pleasure, which we so deeply deserve to feel and experience on every level. So really trusting and following those feels, honoring those feels. Um, and as far as resources go, Um, I actually have a massive free community for LGBTQ humans all around the world. And this can be if you're questioning, if you're closeted, if if you've been out for years and years, regardless of where you're at in your journey, um, if you just want to connect with like-minded, like-hearted people who understand what you're going through, come join us. It's completely free. Um, And in addition to that, I lead the rainbow. We the rainbow. The rainbow. We the Rainbow, that's the name of my personal development organization for LGBTQ humans. And community is one way in which we really facilitate transformation. And the other ways in which I do that is through my coaching programs. So my signature group coaching program, Unleashed, is for humans who are really looking to explore that part of their identity, but mainly release the shame around it. Release the internalized shame, fear, internalized homophobia, um, to help you fully surrender and claim your power, claim your authenticity and live an empowered and liberated life because we all deserve that so much. So those are some of my resources, um, on my, we, the rainbow account, Instagram account. I'm always posting and reposting other accounts, other creators 
who are doing this work. So yeah, I, I mean, I love chatting with people. If you ever want to send me a message, I'm here. I'm happy to chat and connect with you. Um, she is the sweetest in the DMs. Oh, thank you. Such a hype girl. Yes. I love to hype my people up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We need more love. We need more love to go around. So I agree. I so agree. (sighs) All right. Well, that's it. Anything else that you would love to leave our listeners with? I did have one other question that was like from up in the thing that was like, what do you wish more straight people knew? But I think we covered it. I wish more straight people knew. I think more straight people knew. Yeah. I mean, I think there's so much that we covered. And I think that, you know, I, I know that I came into this life to be gay and to go through this experience and this journey and that darkness and struggle that I went through for such a reason. I think that I, prior to fully recognizing consciously that I was gay needed to be a more compassionate, empathetic, understanding human. And this has opened my eyes and my heart to so much in the world. So what I would say is if you're a straight person and you're listening to this to really just, you know, understand that you may never understand what it feels like to be an LGBTQ person. And that's okay. But to be as supportive and unconditionally loving and compassionate to those in your life, those that you don't know, um, because your words and the messages that you send your actions have more of an impact than you'll ever know. And that goes for the little jokes, insults, comments, And that also goes for the love and the support that you give. So you have an impact. You're important. We need more allies. We need more support. Um, And yeah, I appreciate you being here, listening to this episode. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you, Lex, for having me. This has been so wonderful. Yeah. We talked about all kinds of things. I'm in my feels. I got to go tell Jordan about it all. We're going to go have a threesome. Oh yes. Just... <laughs> Happy to have inspired you. <laughs> oh, no. I, there's just a lot in my field right now that's like you don't have to you don't have to not have your experiences with women, Alexa. Um mm-hmm. no, I'm, I'm I'm joking a little bit, but also somewhat serious. And so thank mm-hmm. you. I think that that was a beautiful message to leave uh our guests with and I would encourage all of you to one of the ways that especially if you're straight um and wanting to grow and, or if you're curious in some way, shape or form about your own orientation would be to follow accounts like Elle's account. Um, and then just like have her content floating around on your feed. And so, Oh, look, there's some, there's an insight. There's a piece of information. Oh, there's a resource. And so you don't have to like jump in necessarily. You can do it. You can titrate that nervous system one step at a time. Um, Yeah. And so definitely follow Elle's accounts on Instagram. Can I add something in that? I also just want you all to know that I am in a place where I feel safe and comfortable answering your questions. So if you're a straight person who is listening to this and you want to know more and you want to send me a message and you're, you're curious about something, ask me, don't ask the other LGBTQ people out there who might not be in the same place, who might not feel safe. Um, to be sharing that or comfortable. So I'm in a place where I am. You can, you can use me as a resource and I'm happy to help guide you. I love that. That's super special. And thank you for that openness. And thank you for coming on the show, Elle. Thank you, Lex. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you loved it, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. 
And if you extra, extra loved it, make sure to leave a five-star review. I'll see y'all next week.